0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Heavenly upon us. Revelation 17. I want to read the first six verses of Revelation 17. It may take us a little bit, to, get to Revelation 17, but we'll get there. Amen. Revelation 17, verses 1 through 6. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will shew unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman set upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the great the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth and I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus when I saw her I wondered with great admiration I wonder with great admiration this is part 15 a here this evening our subject matter tonight for maybe to the next week and maybe another one is the harlot on the beast the harlot on the beast very simple amen but revelation 17 is one of the chapters out of the book of revelation that there's always a lot of attention that is uh, placed upon it and and a lot of people uh, emphasize revelation chapter 17 these are one of the hallmark chapters of revelation just like revelation 13 was amen let's ask god to help us father i love you tonight i'm asking oh lord for your help lord jesus grant us understanding in this place pray oh lord help me god to teach in such a manner lord that people can understand put everything god on a shelf god that we can all lord put our hands on and reach god will lord be appreciative of you helping us lord to do that In the lovely name of jesus christ i pray everybody say amen amen you may be seated here this evening, you may be seated here this evening Um, Revelation chapter number 17 and Revelation chapter number 18 are very close of kin, very close of kin as a matter of fact a lot of the same phrases uh, that you see in 17 you'll see in 18, some of the same descriptions, both of them are talking about Babylon both in Revelation 17 and in 18. They're talking about uh, the, the fall of Babylon. The angel that came uh, to John, verse number 1, that had had some of the seven vowels uh, in his hand, or even at that time did, uh, told him that he was about ready to show him what the judgment of, of that great horde that sitteth upon uh, the many waters, what was going to happen, that we later to find out that was indeed Babylon. Whenever we speak, though, of the Babylon, the Revelation 17 and the Babylon, to Revelation 18... Some like to talk to them, talk about them as two different entities, like two Babylons or two different uh, Babylons. I would, I would rather approach it through this way. I'd like to talk to you about one Babylon that has two facets or two aspects to it, kind of like the same coin that has two sides, uh, if I could. Not two separate entities, but one entity Babylon that has two aspects or two sides to it. Because whenever you read Revelation 17 and Revelation 18... You'll find both of these talking about Babylon, and there are a lot of similarities and descriptions that are given and are very close and the same, while at the same time there is some differing among them. If we may tonight, Revelation chapter 17, when we talk about Babylon in general, Revelation 17 is talking about the religious side, the religious side of Babylon, or Babylon as a religion. When we look at Revelation chapter number 18, we're looking at Babylon as political, political, or if you want to call it uh, economical. All right. The, economic, the economical side of Babylon. So we're talking about Babylon, just two different aspects of Babylon. And so they hold some similarities. There's similarities between religious Babylon and the political or economical side of Babylon. Uh, if I may, and, and I'm not going to run reference for you, if you read 17 and 18, you have the references right there. But some of the similarities between the religious side and the political side is that both of them, you read of in Scripture, uh, commit fornication with the kings of the earth. They're described as committing fornication with the kings of the earth. Of course, in 17, it's like in a religious-type manner. Uh, In 18, it's like on the political-economic-side type of manner. They both are, are spoken of in Scripture of having shed the blood of the saints. Both of them are spoken of that, as a matter of fact, they are both spoken of as having a cup of abominations uh, that are in their hand. They are both called—they're both called a city, particularly in verse in, in chapter 18. But in verse 17, the very last verse tells us of that—that that woman that you saw is the city. It speaks of uh, that reigneth over the kings of the earth. So they're both called a city. Both are even called Babylon the Great. We read that uh, on the forehead of the religious Babylon, who is a woman who is more particularly, the Bible states it plain, so I'm just stating that as the Bible calls her a whore, all right, that she has a miter or something on her forehead that has a name, that she is Mystery Babylon the Great, and that she's the mother of harlots and of abominations of the earth. And the political Babylon is spoken of as the same. As a matter of fact, both of these Uh, The woman that is spoken of here and the, the city or the political side, both of them are attired the same. Over here, she's speaking of that she has purple and scarlet garments on and there's pearls and precious stones. You'll read in chapter 18 that very same description of the political or economic Babylon. So this is one reason why I say, when I'm not talking about two separate Babylon's, I'm just talking about two different aspects of the same Babylon, a religious side and a political side. And so whenever we come to find out what, hap- what will end up happening in the world or what's going to happen according to the book of Revelation, is that this empire, because all of this is backed by Satan, Lucifer, the devil, all of this, the Antichrist, the false prophet, the false religion, all of this is being purported by the enemy. What we're going to find out, this grand scheme and empire that Satan is going to have, he's going to rule it, Satan's going to rule it through the Antichrist, in essence. He's, he, uh, if I can say it like this, the Antichrist is going to be as fully possessed of the devil as Jesus had just as much God in him. I don't know if I'd make that any more clear, but uh, to wit that God was in Christ in the last days, to wit that Satan was in the Antichrist. All right? Who is the God of this world? Satan, you know, was in the Antichrist. And so he's going to be uh, in the Antichrist. And, and the Antichrist, if you'll remember back at chapter 13, you know, the Antichrist, I'm just A for Antichrist, okay, we're going shorthand here. Antichrist, and you remember the false prophet. The false prophet was the assistant to the Antichrist. The false prophet is going to be the one that's over the false church. Let's go FC, how about that? Going to be over the false church. And so we understand the false prophet is going to be uh, endorsing the Antichrist and assimilating and gathering together this false one-world church amen, Uh, and and so we have different aspects then as a result of this, under the Antichrist reign, we have then the political, the economic side, the military side, P-E-M, I don't know what that spells, amen, but we have the political, economic, and military side, then over here, there in the false prophet, we have that, that religious side, so you have all these different facets, we're looking for a one Government, a one economic system, a one military system, a one uh, world religion system that's going to happen. All right. All this are the Antichrist, but there is a religious side to Babylon. I want us to understand that tonight before we leave that there is a religious side to Babylon. All right. As a matter of fact, in chapter 17 and in the next chapter, chapter 18, John is describing for us what aspects of Babylon will be destroyed. Because that's what's happening in chapter 17 and chapter 18. The religious side of Babylon is being destroyed and the political economic side of Babylon is being destroyed. And just a little footnote for us, chapter 17 and 18, they're not like in some chronological order here. They happen right after the vials. That's not the way it takes place. This is just extra information about stuff that's going to happen during the seven years. Okay, so it's not necessarily going, well, after the vials Then all this, that ain't how it works. These are those little interlude, more detailed chapters that give us extra information. They're not necessarily right after the, the vials. As a matter of fact, they happen in the seven years at different times, what is described in these two chapters. So we understand chapter 17, religious side, chapter 18, political side. All right. In chapter 17, in chapter 17, there is also spoken of this political side, because this woman, and, and pardon, pardon the verbiage here, but this woman. Whore is riding upon a beast. She's riding upon a beast. This beast back all the way, even in Revelation 13, we knew to just equal, more or less, be the Antichrist. All right, call him beast, call him Antichrist, call him the little horn, call him the wicked one, call him the son of perdition. He has a lot of different labels he put on him, but the whore is riding the beast. So what we have here, if you start to think of it, what we have here is the false church that is being supported by, according to how you look at it, being supported by or riding the false government, false economic system that has taken place. And so this is what we learned of. And this beast, by the way, we've seen this several times before, has seven heads, right? You ever heard of that before? Seven heads and ten horns that this beast has. And that correlates absolutely with Revelation 13. That beast had seven heads and ten horns horns as a matter of fact it even goes back further than that but we'll look at that here in just a little bit and so this mother of harlots or this whore is riding on this beast Uh, the leader of the religious side the leader of the religious side again is the, the, the false prophet the leader of the political side is the antichrist we're looking at the first six verses in Revelation 17 tonight breaking it down like that so we can take it in bite sight Bite-sized chunks here. But verses 1 through 6, we're going to look at. And what happens there is the angel basically tells John what he's going to show him. And then John describes to tell us what he saw. And then in the rest of the chapter of Revelation 17 is an interpretation of what John actually saw. And so we're going to try to deal with just the first six verses here this evening. Now, there's something I want to go through here again so so we understand just a little bit of where we're coming from and see how all this coordinates. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 12, all right? Rev 12. If you will remember, at Revelation 12, oh, don't want to leave you hanging there. At Revelation 12, there was a dragon that came down, remember? A dragon who, who had the color red Uh uh-huh, that had seven heads, Uh uh-huh, and ten horns, Uh uh-huh, and this is known to be Satan, that came down. This dragon, that is known to be Satan, seven heads, ten horns, if you'll remember, the crowns were on the heads. Remember that? Crowns were on the heads. Then we come to Revelation 13, we have the beast right who has seven heads ten horns that beast of revelation 13 is empowered by according to scripture empowered by the dragon or empowered by satan and we say, well, boy, what's the deal? Seven heads, ten horns. Satan's depicted as seven heads, ten horns? The beast has seven heads, ten horns? Yeah, absolutely. Because the beast is going to be nothing more but a personification of what the enemy is and what the devil is. And yet, in this instance here, I believe the horns, if you will remember, the, the crowns, rather, are on the horns in Revelation 13. Amen. Because in John's vision... He is looking now, in John's vision, as he's looking, he was looking as though the ten kingdom, confederate kingdom, the ten toes of Daniel's uh, image. That t- I know, that goes all the way back to, to Daniel, Daniel chapter 7 and 8. That that ten confederate kingdom, he's saying this is what's happening exactly at this time in his vision. But when we come to Revelation now 17, we got still, here we are, a beast with seven heads and ten horns what's happening here is satan that empowers the beast finds the false church riding on that beast of revelation 13 that's empowered by the devil i don't know if any of that made sense maybe we need to do it backwards but the seven the seven heads ten horns that you see is consistent through it is it's just showing us that the root of all of this whether it is the antichrist the political economic side or the false church is all having a a, a tie back to this dragon that's red. Even here, even here in Revelation chapter 17, the beast that she is riding on is of scarlet color, the Bible says, which corresponds with that red dragon that has seven heads and ten horns. So as the dragon empowers the beast, uh, the beast then is supporting, if you will, the harlot or the false religion that will come in that day. And the Bible describes her. I think it is in verse number three. It is the Bible describes her in Revelation 17 that she is. Let me put my little false church. She's sitting. Look, it's like this is like really hard math. Uh, the, the false church is sitting on. The beast, she's described as sitting on the beast, all right? But whenever you go to verse number 7 of that same chapter, she is described as the, it's described as the beast that carrieth her. The beast that carrieth her. In other words, it's not, the woman seated on the beast isn't necessarily signifying that she will rule over him, over the beast. Although, listen to me, I'm try, I'll try to go slow tonight it's not that she because you know anybody you ride on a horse it seems like you have control of the horse right well the beast wants the false church the antichrist wants the false church to think that she is in control for a short time but in reality she wouldn't be able to be in control if he wasn't supporting her one place says she's sitting on him the other place says the beast is carrying her or if you will, supporting. Supporting her or supporting the false church. And it will happen for a short time because eventually, as we'll probably study next week, we read that this beast that has the seven heads and ten horns rises up and makes this whore desolate, naked, destroys her. So see, he's leading her along as though giving her support, affirmation, making her think that she is the one doing the ruling. Because see what? The Antichrist really wants, he wants the false, the false prophet to engage all the religions of the world together, make them just one big conglomeration, and then take them as one piece and transfer their worship to him. You understand what I'm saying? And so he wants her to think that she's got her own thing going on while he's supporting her and carrying her, but then he's going to turn around against her to get all of those that are part of the false church to be, a part of the church of the Antichrist to be who and what he desires them to be, to worship him, take his mark, bow down to his image. Amen? So there will be a time, there will be a time, this is bizarre, but there will be a time in the future that politics and religion will coexist. Politics and religion will coexist. As a matter of fact, if we could draw a little timeline, and I'm not going to bore you totally, but talk about that seven-year time, there's the mid-mark. Think with me here for a moment. I know that I... Why do you go back and do this all the time? Because this is where it all plugs in. Back here, whenever there is someone to confirm, what are we doing? We're confirming the covenant, remember? The, The Antichrist, who we read back in Revelation 6 coming in on one of the seals on the white horse who has bows but no arrows and he's going forth and conquering and to conquer he has bows but no arrows he's coming forth with peace he's going to conquer with peace he's going to confirm a covenant yes with the Jews and that's going to allow them to rebuild their temple that's going to allow them to have that temple mound all over again and erect the structure and do their sacrifices like they once were but listen to me not only is that going to allow the Jews to worship and do as they would like to do, he, this time of peace is going to allow the religions of the world. Are you listening to me? This time of peace is going to allow the religions of the world to do as they desire to do. So what starts happening right here? I'll tell you what starts happening. The Antichrist is starting to carry the false church. He's empowering her by having peace. Let us let us all get along. Let's not, let's not discriminate against each other's religion. Let us find common ground that we can meet with. What's he doing? He's carrying the false church on her back. He's opened up doors and ways so that uh, Islam can join with Catholicism and so that B- Hindus and Buddhists and all can come together with a common core purpose. They might have their differences, but we'll find what we can agree on and build on that. During this time of peace, he's carrying the false church. And the false prophet, man, he's propagating all this. He's endorsing the false church. He's helping get everybody together in this one world religion. And the Antichrist is just carrying them. And the false church thinks, man, I'm driving this thing. I got the endorsement of politics. The church at one time is going to think, man, we got the endorsement of politics here. We got the governing body on our side. She's riding on the Antichrist. And she thinks she's in control, but he's really just supporting her right now. Wait till he pulls the support out from under her. That's what happens at the middle of the week, not just for the Jews, but for all religious systems of the world. At the middle of the week, whenever he goes into that temple that they've rebuilt and declares, that's the Antichrist I'm talking about, and declares himself to be God, uh uh-huh, and that covenant is broken at the middle of the week, three and a half years in, you know what happens with this whole scenario right here? I tell you what happens. The Antichrist is over here. The false church is over here. And he's saying, You got to join up with me. Mm-hmm. You got to join up with me now. And, and you got to worship me. That's where we see everything of Revelation 13 coming about. The false prophet saying, Hey, you got to worship the image of the beast. You got to take his mark, number, or name, or you won't be able to buy or sell. See, we thought the government was for us, but then the government's going to turn on them and say, you can't buy or sell unless you worship, change your religion. Is someone hearing me? So this is how all of this pieces together and falls in. So, you know, they think they have, they think they're, they think they're going to have a security for all of the religions of the world and it's a time of peace and they can exercise their beliefs and they can unify. And we'll talk about a lot of this that's already coming together and it's not even the beginning of the seven years yet, all right? But, 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 you know, he came with that peace, and then that fell down, and so he's going to carry that false religious system, amen, let them function, let them form their groups, amen, with the help of politics, amen. And they're going to think we're really accomplishing something in and of, our, of ourselves, because that's what the one world religion is all about. If we all come together, things are going to be better. If we can all come together, we can get global peace, and all this headache that, 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 that's around us will just be resolved. Well, they're going to think that for three and a half years because they're going to be covered, they're going to be cu- t- t- carried, sorry, by the Antichrist. They're going to be carried by the political economic side of the world. But that is all going to turn on them eventually. As a matter of fact, according to verse 16, that, and I already stated this, but the Bible says that that 10 king kingdom, that 10 king kingdom that surrenders themselves to the beast, those those confederative ten, remember, uh, whether it's the United Nations, or I'm getting dirty up here, whether it's the United Nations or whether it's the European Union already got the world uh, divided into ten different regions of the world, that those ten uh, uh, kings are going to surrender to the power of the beast, of the Antichrist, the Bible says. And whenever all this is said and done, and that is his kingdom, and that's what he rules and reigns, they're going to turn upon the false church. Mm -hmm. they're going to turn upon this false church and he's going to say worship me or nothing else and I know I'm being repetitive somewhat but I'm doing that on purpose because I'm looking at y'all's faces (laughs) okay because I'm looking at everybody's faces right here amen and so the false prophet yes going to be very instrumental joining the religions of the world together into a false religion for a purpose because the antichrist is going to lead them on amen but it's all going to come down Amen. In reality, the false church is being set up to make the transition easier for the Antichrist to have all of them on his side. That's what it's all about. See, because if you can join all the religions of the world into one, you just shift one entity. Rather than trying to shift the Buddhist here, the Hindu here, the Catholic here, those there. No. Just put them on the same melting pot, put all the eggs in the same basket, and then just take the basket. Appropriate analogy with Easter on the way. (laughs) Amen. Is everybody all right? All right. Because the one world church is going to become his church, the church of the Antichrist. It's going to become the church of the Antichrist. And so all this stuff you hear even today, let us all come together. It's just the start of what's ultimately going to be illustrated in this day. Is somebody hearing me? Well, you know, why don't we just come together, this one, that one, everybody? Well, why don't you just go on and do that? You just go on and do that. Because the false religion is a venue that the Antichrist will use, amen, to bring everybody to Antichrist worship. Now, notice the differences here. Is everybody doing all right? You're already smoking back there, Sister Nadine? She's already smoking. If I spoke any slower, it'd sound like you. Okay. I'm sorry. Buy the CD, listen to the podcast. Amen. Notice the differences now. Notice the differences. I want you to notice. Because oftentimes in Scripture, a church is described as a woman. All right? church is described as a woman oftentimes in Scripture. In the Old Testament, when we speak about Israel, and in Revelation 12... Israel's spoken of. Remember, she's the woman with the, the, the moon and the stars. Remember, and the sun. Remember her? And she's depicted as Israel uh, in, in the Scripture there. In the Old Testament, Israel, and this is important, and this is something that just good to remember, but in 12 in the Old Testament, Israel, in relationship to God, is spoken of as a wife. All right? When we look at the Scripture, though, in New Testament Scripture, and we talk about a woman belongs to the Lord namely the church those born of the water and the spirit they're spoken in terms as a bride that's really important because in reality we're not married to him yet we're in bride mode his, his coming is actually wedding day but Israel is his wife already Her modes of being faithful to him or unfaithful to him dictates whether or not she's an adulterous woman or a faithful woman characterized in the Scripture. But this is the bride. But in Revelation 17, we have this other woman that comes on the scene who is a woman, but she's a whore. Israel relationship with God, wife. Church relationship with God, bride. Whore. Not in relationship with God. Not in relationship with God. She's depicted as a whore. And look what happens here. The church is caught away. Before on our timeline that even begins. The church is out of here. The bride is gone. The, can I say, true church is gone. The only thing that is left is the false religion. False church. Someone hear me? And so the false church has a means to increase, wreck mayhem, because the bride's no longer there. Only thing that's left is what is false, the whore, the prostitute. If I can say it like this, Christ has his bride, and Satan has his whore. Now, consider, consider, consider some of the contrast and differences here, if you will. There at Revelation 12, concerning that lady who's denoted as Israel, who has the the sun and the moon and the stars, consider some of the comparisons and contrasts between even Israel and this other woman in Revelation 17 denoted as the whore, and I'll list them for you as quickly as possible. Israel, clothed with the sun. The whore, clothed with purple and scarlet. In Revelation 12, we read even that she is spoken of as a wife, all right? But prior to engagement with the Lord, uh, intimacy with the Lord, she's spoken of as a virgin. Whereas in Revelation 17, this one is spoken of as a fornicator. This one here, she's in pain because she's about ready to give birth, the Bible spoke in Revelation 12. This one here is at ease, she's getting drunk, she's doing whatever has will. Right here, Revelation 12, this woman is supported by the moon. She is on the moon. This one here is supported by the beast. This one right here has a head that is crowned. This one right here has a miter on her head, but it has her label, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. In this one up here, we have she was persecuted by the dragon. This one here, she's riding the beast that is empowered by the dragon. This one up here, she flees to the wilderness. And this one down here, John said he went to the wilderness to catch a glimpse of her. Amen. And this one up here, she's associated with Jerusalem. But this one down here, she's associated with what we've been studying, and that is Babylon. Amen. This woman spoken of in scripture. We go to that mitre that's upon her head and it speaks that first word there that some even contemplate whether that was part of the title or just a description whenever it calls it mystery, Babylon the Great. Remember this, that whenever Paul was speaking of the church, the true church, in Ephesians chapter number three, he spoke of the church and the relationship between Christ and his church as a mystery. He said, here's the mystery. I speak of Christ and his church church and so likewise john sees the false church the harlot of the antichrist it being a church although false it is still a mystery as it were amen even to john now notice in in second thessalonians 2 and verse number 7 and 8 uh the paul said this concerning the antichrist concerning the antichrist paul said this he said for the mystery of iniquity doth already work Only he who now leteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. A mystery is in essence this. It's something that was concealed but is now revealed. It was something that was concealed but is now revealed. Now concerning John, he sees the woman and he says this is a mystery because the mystery is this thing has been in the shadows under a cloak ever since the beginning of time all the way to Babel. But now John is seeing it for what it is and the mystery is now being revealed. What was concealed is being revealed. That's what Paul was saying with the Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist the mystery of iniquity is already at work today. It's concealed somewhat. Some of us are even doped by it. He said, but it's going to come a day when the wicked one shall be revealed. So mystery is just something that's been concealed, amen, but now is being revealed. And so the Antichrist and the false church, to a degree, have been cloaked, amen, and is cloaked to a certain degree throughout the ages. But the day will come that they will be revealed in their entirety, and thus the mystery will be totally known, amen. Now, I mentioned Babel. Let's go back there to Babel. Not literally, but let's just go back to Babel for a moment. Babel. Babel wasn't just a literal place in the Old Testament. Uh, It was also a spiritual seedbed. All right? Babel just wasn't a city. It was also a spiritual seedbed. Because listen, folks. Nimrod, who's the one who built this first kingdom, Babel, he's the first king over the kingdom. Nimrod, whenever he uh, built that, remember his name meant rebel. How did he rebel? God had told them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Not just the city Babel. Replenish the earth. And so, by saying, We're going to build this tower that reaches into heaven and we're going to make ourselves a name, they're all of one language and all one tongue. Nimrod re- rebelled against the commandment of the Lord. And I didn't stop start a clock, so we'll, I'll just have to manage that. Nimrod rebelled against the commandment of the Lord. Listen. When Nimrod rebelled against God, he practiced witchcraft. In 1 Samuel 15, verse 23, the Bible says in the background of this story, uh, Saul's king, he's been spoken to that he's to battle against the Amalekites. He's to utterly destroy the Amalekites, take them out. And he does accept. He keeps the king and keeps some of the animals. And that's whenever Samuel comes to him and says, did you do like the Lord said? Yeah, I did. He said, what that lowing of the ox I hear in the background. He did not follow through with the command of the Lord. In essence, he rebelled. And this was the response then. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and adultery because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. Now listen, the words is as. If you have a King James Version Bible, some King James Version Bibles operate like this, is you'll see those two words in italics. And if that's in your King James Bible, you can look at the front and it'll tell you anytime you see italics in your Bible, that's because that was added by the translators. That wasn't a part of the original manuscript. They added those words in thinking that it'd help your understanding. Well, that's making rebellion is as similar to the sin of witchcraft. But if I remove those two words for rebellion the sin of witchcraft when I understand that the phrase the sin of witchcraft is further describing or clarifying what rebellion is rebellion is the sin of witchcraft what's witchcraft? witchcraft is when you interact with or entertain with the dark side of the supernatural world so Babel wasn't just a city What was taking place there was spawned from a rebellious man. What was spawned there was from witchcraft. Somebody hearing me? And so we're not just talking about a city. We're talking about the the, the, the seabed of something very spiritual, something very churchy, something very religious that was happening back at Babel, all right? For that matter, Babel, Babylon, Babylon. Uh, the location of it, the Euphrates River, uh, flowed uh, through the city of Babylon. Whenever we go back to Genesis, again, you can read and read to your eyes fall out your head because I've come close to doing it. But the Garden of Eden is not something that scholars can really put their finger on. They have a hard time at the exact location where the Garden of Eden is at. If you'll remember in Genesis 2.10, it spoke that a river flowed out of the Garden of Eden And it's split into four heads, the Tigris, the Euphrates, and the other two that are just escaping my mind right now. But nevertheless, it's highly probable and even possible that Babylon was close to or at the location of Eden. Why are you saying that, Brother McGee? Because it's possible that the very place where Satan first beguiled Adam and Eve to transgress or rebel against the commandment of God and practice their witchcraft that came the city of Babel Nimrod would also rebel against the Lord and have the same type of setting and thing take place with him with his rebellion so it's possible that you know Satan that is empowering all this system from the beginning could have had a hand in it all the way back at the Garden of Eden causing influence into the lives of Adam and Eve and then Nimrod at Babel they're all rebelling against God someone say amen Now, speaking of this woman, the mitre that's all up on her head mystery, the mother of harlots, all right, and abominations of the earth. Let's just denote a couple of things. Uh, It speaks that the kings of the earth committed a fornication with her. It speaks that she had a golden cup in her hand, and in that was the abominations and filthiness of her fornications, and that all the people of the earth, everybody say all, all the, and so we're not just talking about king's leaderships and people of prestige and, but all the people, inhabitants of the earth of that day will drink of the wine of her fornication, of her abominations and filth, now I'm going to walk softly here I'm going to state something okay, and I'm going to give the reasons why people say this, and then I'm going to just kind of, j- just walk with me, okay, it's just ba- I can just say that and you know where I'm, at, I'm talking about S- this whore Several people want to equate the whore with the Roman Catholic Church. For a few different reasons. Just walk with me. The whore is spoken of as setting on many waters. In the same chapter that we're studying here tonight, In verse number 15, the interpretation further clarifies that those waters are peoples and nations and tongues. All right, that it's peoples. Let me get it right, just right here. Peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So some want to say, well, the horror is the Roman Catholic Church because the horror is going to set on many waters, many peoples, nations, uh, multitudes, and tongues. And so they say, well, the religion of the Roman Catholic Church is quite pervasive in its impact. It is spread into virtually every country that we can even conceive. And so it has influence upon a lot of societies, nations, tongues, peoples, nationalities, and races. Secondly, they also want to equate that because not only, not only is the Roman Catholic Church a church, but it's also a governing body. Because Vatican City is an independent state. And they have their own governing body, their own sense of government. Not only that, the Roman Catholic Church seems to have a lot of influence in governments around the world, including our own. People want to say, well, that's the equality. Thirdly, they want to equate that with the Roman Catholic Church because popes and cardinals are uh, adorned ornately and their primary colors are purple and red or scarlet. That's what the great horror is with purple and scarlet with her pearls and precious stones. Fourthly, they want to go that there's the similarity because as the whore had a miter upon her head that stated her label, so does the Catholic Church wear a miter with the label of the Pope upon there. Number five, the Bible, says, the Bible says that the whore drank of the blood of the saints and the martyrs. The Roman Catholic Church has an etchy history back in the day when you want to talk about the inquisition of thousands, not even thousands, but millions of people. Blood was slain by the church. And there has yet been a confession or forgiveness ever sought for that. Number six, is everybody doing all right? Don't get uptight because you still got to continue walking with. Number six, they speak about how she is a city, and that city is on seven mountains, the Scripture says, but the Bible goes on and says, and those are seven kings. Because Rome is spoken of, you look at Britannica Encyclopedia, known as the city up on seven hills. And so they say, well, there we have it. There she is, the church. Now listen very clearly to me, because if you heard everything I said now, don't hear what I'm saying. You're going to go off spouting a bunch of stuff you thought you knew okay I'm not listen let me denote something here this whore her title mother of harlots mother of harlots I'm not certain listen to me that the Roman Catholic Church is the mother of all harlots but she is possible a daughter of the mother Someone hearing me. Why you say that, Pastor McGee? because mother, mother goes all the way back to Babel. Mother goes all the way back to Babel. See, whenever the witchcraft that opened itself up to the dark side of the supernatural happened at Babel and God came down then and scattered them to all divisions of the world, all of the spiritual seabed that was in Babel got dispersed all across the earth that's the reason why we have Hindu here, Buddha here new age here mysticism here, eastern religion someone hear me she's the mother of harlots now mama has a lot of kids because she's been fornicating mom's got a lot of kids, I'm not saying necessarily she's mom but she could be a daughter, granddaughter whatever is everybody doing okay is everybody doing alright amen if I may quote from William Emil Walls he says it's been said that the reference to this system as mother emphasizes that she has children example daughters so it stands the reason that is, if she is referred to as a mother then she must have children in order to bear this title we shall not attempt to identify who those children may be which have been born by this woman but we will say that if the mother is a false religious system, then it's likely that her children are as well a part of a false religious system. Again, Babel was very religious. Amen? Matter of fact, if you remember back in our studies in Daniel, you remember the Chaldean people? They were very interested, remember, in astrology. Go back to Daniel. Very interested in astrology and divining someone hear me? Back at Babel, back at Babylon, that was dispersed abroad. Ray Stevens said this, and this is actual archaeological fact. He said, a number of years ago, digging in the plains of Shinar, that's where Babel was, if you remember, the land of Shinar. Digging in the plains of Shinar, archaeologists discovered the remains of a certain great tower that these early Babylonians had built. Some archaeologists felt that it may have been the foundation of the original Tower of Babel. But that is very hard, of course, to determine. But they did find out that the Babylonians built great towers called ziggurats. I remember this back when I was in college studying architecture. They were called ziggurats, which were built in a circular fashion with ascending ascending staircases, and they terminated at the very top was a shrine. Remember, we're going to build a tower that reacheth unto heaven. There was a shrine at the top. Around in that shrine was written all the signs of the Zodiac. Let me pause here for a moment. If you, this is just a side note, if you read your horoscope and think it's fun and games, its roots go all the way back to Mama Harlan. When you think it's just fun to see if it's right or not, that goes all the way back, to Nimrod practicing witchcraft, Mama Harlot. And I'm telling you, don't open a door that you think's funny that you cannot shut later. All the signs of the Zodiac uh, were there. And so God scattered that. And so Babel brought over the face of the earth, confused the language, gave them different languages, and so the influence of this religion, this spiritual system, although it's on the dark side, boom, pervaded all throughout the world. And so why is the whore sitting on many waters, peoples, nations, multitudes, and tongues? Because this was her source, but she was dispersed by God all over the world. Whenever he dispersed them, their religion, their witchcraft, their dark side went with them. She's Babylon the great, the mother of harlots. She has many children. Amen. And there are several different uh, religions quote unquote around the world that identify and coordinate and line up with some of the very initial beliefs that took place back during the times of Babel. Amen. Uh, Babylon Babylon continued to be the seed of Babylon. Babylon Satan, I should say, continued to have his seat there even after Babylon was overtaken. Listen, and this is following up with maybe daughter, granddaughter here, okay? Or anybody else for that matter. Satan continued to operate from that seat after Babylon fell off, and then, it, remember, Medo Persia took over. It's still within the kingdom, uh huh. And then Greece took over, all right? Satan switched his seat whenever Greece took over. Because there is a Greek city in Greece by the name of Pergamos that we read of in Revelation chapter 2. And the Lord spoke to them, if you can get me that, Revelation 2 here this evening. The Lord spoke to them and said, and to the angel of the church of Pergamos. Remember, Pergamos was the compromising church. He says, write these things, saith he, which hath the sharp sword with two edges. Verse 13, I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seated. Satan had moved his seat from Babylon. It, now per- Medo-Persia took over, then Greece took over to Pergamos. Listen to me. Became the seat of Satan. Thou holdest fast thy name and hast not denied the faith in those days where in Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. Why are you saying this? Listen to me. There was a king that was over Pergamus. I think. See if I can get spelling right here. I don't want to misconstrue this. King. Attalus III was his name. He was the, listen to me, high priest of Pergamus. He was the king of Pergamus. He died in 133 BC. All of The beliefs of Babylon carried over into Medo-Persia, carried over into Greece, carried over to Pergamos, on top of this man right here, Attalus III. He was the high priest. They were already functioning, Sister Sheila, in this thing, all the way back at Babylon in the mode of priest and people. As a matter of fact, if people were to become a part of the brotherhood. They had to confess their sins to the priest back at Babel, and then they were part of the brotherhood. And then priest had control over the brotherhood all the way back then. This guy was the priest, all right? He was the priest, and he willed. You can read in your encyclopedias about this guy. He willed his priesthood or his headship, the Babylonian priesthood. He willed it to Rome. He willed his priesthood to Rome. What are you saying? I'm saying the characteristics of Mother Babel Show up in her children. Show up in her children. Is everybody still doing all right? Why do you say that, Brother McGee? Because of this. We have Nimrod. Nimrod had a wife. I probably won't spell her name right. Don, you'll probably remember this from Grandpa Holland. God rest his soul. Cimirs was his wife. There was a son. Tammuz was his name. Just walk here. if you guys are interested in this, this, you know, welcome to Revelation chapter 17. This is back in Babel, Babel. All right? Cius, the the, the the wife of Nimrod according to ancient tradition, and listen to me. You can find his name in Scripture. You hear me? You can find her name in Scripture. It just takes on a new form. Her name in a different form in Scripture, Ashtaroth. Somebody hear me? Ashtaroth. His name in Scripture, another venue of it besides Tammuz. I think it's in Ezekiel, you can find his name, Baal. You hear me? All right. He, the tradition was this was killed but mama Semiramis prayed for 40 days he was revived this sounds very peculiar but this is before Christ was ever born died and resurrected you will see you can look up you can find pictures of Semiramis holding her son to that looks awful lot like mother of Jesus holding Jesus Everybody walking with me here? As a matter of fact, this lady right here was oftentimes referred to as the Queen of Heaven. You know what they referred to Mother as, or Mary as, the Catholic Church? Queen of Heaven. What are you starting to say? I, I know, everybody. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with Jesus Christ and his resurrection. What I'm saying is they revered this lady right here back in Babel Day because she evidently prayed her son back to life someone listening to me mother of harlot her child just one of many Roman Catholic Church reveres the role of the mother of Christ so much that they worship her almost more than they do the child but mom didn't have nothing to do with Jesus coming back I'll go just a little deeper I don't want to hurt anybody Some, I'll get her. Why did I do that? Some Aramis. In a lot of different religions, her name, religions, tongues, languages, her name alters just like what it would be in Greek wouldn't be what it would be in Hebrew. That's common sense. It alters. That's the reason why in the Bible you see that it even distinguishes as Ashtaroth, which we know very well spoken of in Scripture. The Lord told the Israelites to stay away from Baal and Ashtoreth. Remember the prophets of Baal, all that headache? Why? Because they were entangling with the old witchcraft of Babylon. But her name in Assyria, in the Phoenician, Palestinian, even part of the world, is that. You know how this is pronounced? Easter. Matter of fact, that's a big derivative of where our word Easter comes from. Now, we could really get into some stuff here, folks, Because, you know, a lot of the holidays we practice today really have uh, pagan origin. Whether it be Easter, Christmas, or Halloween. Everybody wants to kick dust at Halloween real quick because, well, of course, it still is quite on the dark side. We've just Christianized some pagan things. I'm not digging in real deep, okay? But I'm just letting you know uh, that this is where all of this comes from. Amen. Furthermore, Now I'm coming to a close. I'll land the plane. Wherever there is spiritual, wherever there's a spiritual harlot or spiritual prostitution in Scripture, that's a standing symbol for adultery. Somebody switching from God and serving other gods. And so whenever people turn to other gods rather than the true God, that's prostitution, that's spiritual adultery. Again, the church at Pergamos was the compromising church. Satan moved his seat there, and they started allowing that, infiltrating that within themselves. It was assaulted with hardships. It was assaulted, amen, with being where Satan's seat was. Now, I'll close with this right here. Truly, I will. How is it say, well, we're the church, Brother McGee? Yes, we are, but you still have a choice. We're a church, we're blood-bought. That's great, but you still have a choice. This, this thing's not over till it's over. You still have a choice whether or not you're going to be with the bride or the whore. Someone hear me? Well, that would never happen. Listen to me. I close with these verses of Scripture by Isaiah 1, verse 21 and 22. This is speaking concerning Jerusalem, Israel, and the question is this. How is the faithful city, Jerusalem, and the Israelite people become a harlot? How do the faithful become a whore? Someone listening to me? It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. Verse 22, the silvers become dross the wine mixed with water? The answer is given. How does the faithful become the unfaithful? How does the faithful become the whore? All it takes is mixing water with the genuine wine. I'm not talking about a literal substance. Let me state it like this. All it takes is diluting the real all it takes is compromising what you ha- That's all it takes to take the faithful and turn her into a whore is compromise. That's all it takes. But Terry, I don't, I don't hear today, I don't hear today you know, they just didn't understand back then. And it's really okay now. That's what I hear. It was, it was really okay then. It was really nothing wrong with that then. And so it's okay now. There was nothing wrong with it then. I don't hear anybody saying, well, there was something wrong with it back then. So there's something wrong. I don't see anybody saying, well, there's something wrong with it today, but there wasn't yesterday. I see the flip side of the story. They're not asking for us to tighten anything up. Today we're trying to give up ground. No, no, one, no one's saying, well, I tell you what, those poor folks, they just had it all wrong and we can really, we, we, re-. no, that's not what I'm seeing. I see just the opposite happening. Folks, you got to be careful along those lines because you know what that is? The spirit of Babel. What's compromise? What is compromise? What is compromise? Uh-huh. It's a little, little conception of rebellion that's starting. Stand with me. So we're not done with 17. We still got to go back and lasso some heads and horns and talk about that a little bit talk about this relationship between these two again, the political and religious side and I want to bring you to date on some institutions out there that are already forming greatly this false church that's out there like the URI and some of the global religious things and how they were founded and what they purport and so on and so forth we'll talk about some stuff that you can look at today and see this already coming together. Amen. In the end, though, that's the thing. Guess what? God's provided you with a grand opportunity. You see it coming together now. He's showing you where it's going when it's all said and done. Open book test. <laughs> you know, it's like a kid that does have open book test. Why in the world did you get it back? And they got it. How in the world did you get that? You had an open book test. Well... You know, I just really didn't know where everything was. Well, if you had familiarized yourself with the book, okay, I'm taking something that may feel like long to you, now it's feeling like eternity. Let's pray. Father, I love you.